America, the time is here. It's time to make a choice. Do you believe that America has never lived up to its promise? We've never lived up to it. Or do you stand with our president and believe in the greatness of America and its people? America is the greatest place on earth. Will you vote for a man beholden to Wall Street? Or a president who will ensure the prosperity of all hardworking Americans? One man wants to destroy our energy independence. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. While our president will fight with everything he has to protect it. Do you want socialism and tyranny? You're considered the most liberal United States senator. With the promise of liberty and freedom. Do you support a party that tears down our country? They're not going to stop and they should not. Or a president who will build a future for our nation greater than ever before. America. The time for choosing is here. We can save this great nation together. from Studio 6B on a huge Thursday night. Glad you're in. Big thanks to our friend A64 there on Twitter for that great opening, which I'm going to run every night through the election because it's fantastic. The time to choose is here. Save the country or not. And I think he lays it out perfectly. And I want to thank him for letting us use that. Fantastic stuff he does. And uh, Paul Nolan's here with some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's here. Well, Paul, this is the anti-yesterday today because there's a <laughs> lot of good news. And yeah. there's a lot of great stuff. And this was just a huge, huge day. I felt significantly um, better about this whole deal today. Momentum. You took your meds? <laughs> well, no, I'm t- not taking any meds. I listened to the president this morning. He's confident. He's good. GDP, 33.1%. Hello. That is a boom. I said 33.1%. We knew it was coming. The president said it was coming. Now he says I would have been happy at 12. We've never seen anything (laughs) like that. 12, 9, or 12, 15. 33.1. And let's just get right to it because I love Charles Payne um, from Fox Business. And he was on 38G. We'll start there talking about these numbers and how good the, the top line number doesn't even really tell the story. When you start looking at the underlying numbers. So let's roll that. It is absolutely remarkable. And let me tell you, I'm sitting here going through the data because the headline doesn't do it any justice. Uh, Durable goods were up 45%. Non-durable goods, these are things we buy not for durable goods, essentially, are things we buy that we're going to own for three years or longer, like a refrigerator. Non-durable goods up 82%. Domestic investing, this is what we did as as people, not businesses, up 83%. Residential investing, homes, 59%. So what held us back? Obviously, we're not building. Yeah, 59%. I mean, these numbers are absolutely remarkable. Yeah, they are remarkable. And the president said all along this would be a V-shaped recovery. And uh, there you go, right there. There, if that's not a V-shaped recovery, I don't know what the hell is. <laughs> that thing just needs a, a red cape. It's a super wow. V. <laughs> that thing is that's a, a V. That thing is a super V, exactly. 30, 
3.1% GDP growth. Good Lord. Wow. Uh, Charles Payne wasn't done. And this is maybe the more important clip talking about the damn stupid media and reporting this news to the American public. Uh, 39, roll that. I know the media, including most of the financial media, does not like President Trump, but this is when you have an obligation to share this news, not just because it's amazing, it's factual, and it's record-breaking, but it points to us. Forget about who's in charge. It points to the American spirit, our resolve, the ability to come back. Do you know just one month ago, the estimates for this GDP was down 3.7%? It's amazing. (laughs) The experts can't believe how strongly we've come back because none of them know how to fact they're in into their models, right. into the calculators, into their computers, the American spirit, which always shows up. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. And by the way, I'm starting to feel that um that es- the essence of what he just said, I'm starting to feel as it relates to the whole overall polling. Yep. I don't think they can factor no poll can factor in the American spirit. And, and you can't factor in the velocity of money once it starts to move. Right. And, and speaking to that, Damon, again, you, you, you look around. You say, well, you know, there's some car parades. Well, you know what? That, that speaks volumes because you know those car parades, they're filled with people who are anxious. They're ready. They're positive. They want to keep this president in office. But that's also not even counting the people who wish they could be in that car parade, who are watching it going, ah, I couldn't get there. I had to take the kids over here or I'm, I'm visiting with family over there or I, I, you know, I'm at work so I can't go. Or my hatred's not enough to wait for four hours to right. vote because I, I hate someone. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the spirit, or I should say the, um, the energy that they can't factor in is really the story here. Well, I listened to the president this morning. He was fantastic, and he talked about this news. And uh, Rudy Giuliani is going to be on here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're going to talk to him about this as well, um, because if there is other news, obviously, other than Hunter Biden. Although, Don't. breaking tonight, there is a lot of Hunter Biden news to talk about. Michael J. Knowles from the Daily Wire will join us at 930. So we're just racked and stacked tonight, and we're going to get down to it here on the show. So two great guests and speaking of great guests, please welcome the uh, founder of Just the News, uh, Mr. John Solomon, to join us with some breaking news here tonight. Hello there, Mr. Solomon. How are you? I'm well. Good to be with you. Well, thank you for joining us on short notice because um, as Pleasure. I was, we had a pre-record of Mayor Giuliani, obviously, because he's extremely busy. And as I was recording with him, uh, we got the breaking news here. I saw it. I happened to see it from Charlie Kirk's tweet, but... The, the report out is the DOJ officially confirms that the FBI is investigating Hunter Biden for money laundering, and this has been open since 2019. So can you tell us what you've heard, what you know, and what you think they're looking into? Sure, absolutely. So there's not an official confirmation in the sense there's not a press statement. There's right. not anyone on the record. Uh, but there, I have talked to at least three sources today that confirm that uh, beginning in the uh, late fall of 2019, the FBI opened an investigation into various business transactions uh, involving Hunter Biden and some of his business partners. Not all of the issues are Hunter Biden related, but the conglomerate of business partners he was working with uh, are a focal point of this investigation. Uh, it began when uh, a purported copy of uh, Hunter Biden's laptop 
was brought to the FBI office in Albuquerque. I believe it's November of 19, on or around that time frame. The FBI there did some early exploitation of the copy of the hard drive, made a recommendation to Delaware that they obtain the original well, version of the laptop so they would have chain of custody evidence for this information. They, that's the famous subpoena that we've now seen from Mayor Giuliani that's been out there. So it starts in Albuquerque. Uh, the FBI gets this, uh, the original out of Delaware and about the same time that they go and obtain the laptop uh, in Delaware, a whistleblower from a financial institution in, in the United States, a major financial institution in the United States, files a whistleblower complaint at, at the IRS and the uh, possibly the Securities Exchange Commission, definitely the IRS, and uh, introduces some additional evidence about concerns about financial transactions in, in and around the empire that Hunter Biden had built. That launches the full-scale investigation. Uh, it, it, muddles through, it muddles through 2020. They're waiting actually to see if they can flip and a very important witness when Tony Bobolinsky shows up uh, uh, after the Democrats start calling this whole thing Russian disinformation. And then he brings the FBI, as we know last week, additional evidence of sort of the transactions, the relationship, what Joe Biden and his son were doing. And that is the, the, basically the outlines of what is an ongoing FBI investigation. Uh, multiple people have been briefed on it. Some witnesses have been interviewed by it. I've been able to talk to a group of them today. And that's that's the story as we know it as of tonight. So now the whistleblower obviously is not, Tony, to be clear, not Tony Bobolinsky. This is someone not. completely separate that we have never heard from. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have the, uh, the name or ability to report the name. But this person comes out of the financial institutions. And if you remember, there's a little hint of this in the Senate report that Ron Johnson and uh, Chuck Grassley gave us a couple weeks ago. There were these things called suspicious activity reports, SARS. And they talk about the $3.5 million payment from the Russian oligarch, some of the Burisma money, some of these payments to Ukrainian and Russian women that might be involved in uh, human trafficking. SARS are often the result of a report that comes from a financial institution. So there was some that a financial institution or somebody associated with a financial institution had concerns about what was going on and made these reports to the Treasury Department. At some point, I'm told, those concerns escalate beyond the SARS, beyond the suspicious activity reports, and there's a formal whistleblower complaint that is uh, sent to um, at least the IRS. I've been able to get some confirmation there, possibly the SEC as well, and, uh, and that comes, you know, gets wrapped into this FBI investigation. So we've been sitting here saying everybody's been screaming about the FBI. What's going on? How have they been sitting on this? They only moved once they found out that the mayor had a copy of this, it seemed. Now we get this news. So what does this say to you about maybe what has been going on behind the scenes? And, and when you now look at the overall timeline of what you just laid out, does it make sense that this really did maybe move quicker than we thought, and they have been on this and looking to get the timeline of those flag transactions to the whistleblower to then Bobolinsky and everything we know. Does the timeline make more sense that maybe this wasn't just sitting there and no one was looking at it? It, it, uh, there's some lack of clarity about why a year later we're seeing activity again. Uh, the best information I've been able to get is that they were uh, working to flip or turn a witness, somebody who would be able to make sense of these disparate pieces of evidence and put a story together that you could take to a grand jury. I don't know who that witness is. Uh, I haven't been able to determine it. But something very important happened a few weeks ago. 
If you remember, uh, uh, Hunter Biden was in business with a guy named Devin Archer. That's his main business guy at Burisma, the Russians, the Chinese. They're together on all of those. He's convicted in 2018 of fraud against an Indian tribe, along with several other defendants. But of all the defendants, uh, the judge, after the trial, decides to um, drop the conviction only for Devin Archer. All the others are going to go to prison. Just a few weeks ago, an appellate court reversed the dropping of that decision, saying the judge had no right to reverse a jury verdict and that Devin Archer is again a convicted felon and should be sentenced to prison. It's possible that the Justice Department was waiting for that moment to, to take some action, uh, but I don't have a lot of clarity yet as to what went on in the period after the hard drive and the whistleblower occurred and what happened when Tony Bobolinsky suddenly comes forward. But I'm told it's part of a continuum and it's part of the reason why the FBI has been so quiet is that there's been ongoing matters and when there's ongoing investigations, they usually stay mum, unless you're the James Comey and Andy McKay of the FBI where you leaked about Trump all the time. But otherwise, the FBI normally stays mum. That's probably the way we want them to act. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is an amazing turn of events as we learn this tonight. Obviously, five days out to the election, we none of us know how or if this will affect Joe Biden. It's obviously Hunter Biden's business associates, and I don't know how it would affect Joe Biden, but we'll obviously be yeah. following you at Justin News and the reporting on it. So, uh, thank you very much for thank joining you. us, and we'll uh, we'll keep following the story. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, the great John Solomon there on this breaking news tonight about Ooh. this uh, FBI investigation into um, Hunter Biden and his business associates that broke tonight. So a uh, lot more on this. Rudy Giuliani, Michael Knowles, a busy show coming up live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Lots to talk about tonight. There was no other reason for me to be in that bar meeting Joe Biden than to discuss what I was doing with his family's name uh, in the Chinese. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with a Chinese-owned, you know, uh, enterprise. America First Action is responsible for the content of this advertising. Live from Studio 6B on a busy Thursday night on Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. Just had John Solomon on confirming that um, although it's not been officially confirmed from the FBI or the DOJ, no official press release, but um, enough people have spoken to sources that say there is an open investigation into Hunter Biden as business associates um, into uh, money laundering. So the official, I'm reading now from Breitbart today, uh, Christina Wong, a, a Justice Department official, confirmed that the FBI opened a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden in 2019. Previously, the DOJ had confirmed to Breitbart News and other outlets that the FBI had possession of the laptop with the hard drive containing thousands of Hunter Biden's emails where he discussed his international business dealings. Hunter Biden has been involved in at least several questionable business endeavors. So there's an article here. We'll link to this as, a, as well as anything that Justin News puts out tonight on this. Um, well, and so the question for the American public reading this is to try to figure out, and we probably won't, won't know obviously anything unless there's just, I mean, 
some kind of absolute bombshell of how and if this would affect Joe Biden. You mean Other like than, you mean you mean like all kinds of sex tapes and and bribery scams and all kinds of dirty dealings like the American public and it's going to affect the, it does, there wasn't even a ripple. My barber didn't even know about it. My barber had no idea that Bidens were involved with China and Ukraine and and all these other wheeling and dealing. The media's just hiding it all. Your barber still thinks it's Russia, 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 and well, Trump. Yeah. As I played you, though, um, even on MSNBC, their own polling shows that 52, 53% of the people know about the story. So it's, it's not that the story's not getting out there. The choice is going to be for anyone who's undecided, and, and let's recognize that there's probably not a lot of those people at this point going into Tuesday. They're going to have to decide do they really feel like they want to put someone in the White House who's going to be so utterly compromised that um, there's no plausible way to think he could run the country well there's no plausible way to think he could run the country just because he's he's pretty much the dumbest he's as dumb as a doorknob but uh, he certainly is going to be as compromised as anyone who's ever even thought about seeking the office and corrupt on top of it so that's going to be the decision and i spoke to both of my guests tonight about that rudy and michael Knowles. so um, and we'll, those are coming up. So, all right, let's do some news, though, before we get to Mayor Giuliani with uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, we already covered the, uh, the great economic news because uh, that was uh, that was just exciting. I really, that's just way better than me doing it. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, journalist Glenn Greenwald resigned from the media company he co-founded after editors reportedly refused to publish his article until he removed all sections yeah. critical of Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. Yeah, this was a yeah. whoa. This was one of those whoa moments for me when I saw his uh, resignation he posted from the the Intercept. Like you said, he's a co-founder of it. You know, he had, he had said um, they censored uh, the censored article based uh, you know on recently revealed emails and witness testimony raised critical questions about Biden's conduct. He said. Not content to simply prevent publication of this article at the media outlet I co-founded. These intercept editors also demanded that I refrain from exercising a separate contractual right to publish this article with any other publication. <laughs> you know, he appeared on uh, Joe Rogan Experience in an episode on Wednesday where he criticized the media and, uh, you know, for the coverage of Hunter Biden controversy, adding he was disgusted with his colleagues in in my profession. Uh, you know, he said in the last ditch effort to uh, avoid being censored, you know, he he, uh, he published it on his own site, you know, and he's got some great reads. There's been some really good stuff. He said, uh, for the most part, that, you know, he, people have lost all confidence in media, and uh, it's it's also a lot of peer pressure. So, you know, he said a lot of peer pressure coming out, people out there saying that if they talk bad about, you know, Biden and in their social circles, they will be ostracized. Well, I mean, here you are tonight with the breaking news of, um, at least on social media and some outlets, we're reporting on it, that the DOJ officially confirms that the FBI has got an, an active criminal investigation. And if you flipped over to Jake Tapper uh, tonight on CNN, he was, you know, covering Joe Biden down in Florida and, uh, you know, whatever. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, it gets to the point where it's, I mean, it's absolutely laughable that they have still not... This is an active... <laughs> we have a confirmed <laughs> active investigation. Yeah. This, this, is, this is the low-hanging fruit news loves. Because this is, this is you know, you say it, active investigation. Big political name involved. Boom. All of a sudden, you know, your numbers shoot through the roof and you've got eyeballs. 
This is what they live for. And meanwhile, they're like, no, 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 we don't want people watching us because uh, they might find out the truth. Yeah, we wouldn't want to actually do our job and do some actual investigation into, oh, I don't know, John Solomon just told us that there, there's an, obviously this first time I'm hearing it, there's another whistleblower. Yeah. That's not Tony Bobolinsky. Yeah, and I was actually, uh, I, I found one of the uh, the charging documents or, or the press release actually of when the, uh, when the um, Hunter Biden... Um, what do you call it? The, the guys he was in business with, Galinas, Archer, and Cooney, were convicted. There are other people listed here too, so it could be it could be any number. Of, it could be one of those three. It could be this person named Hugh Dunkerley. It could be Gary Hurst. It could be a Michelle Morton. These are all people that were engaged. They were working. That was with, a big uh, scam with yeah, Rosemont Seneca working within this company, and they were they were connected to a couple other companies that were completely corrupt as well. Right. You know, there was a I think his name was Ash. He he was involved somehow, and he ends up dying on his weight bench. The, he was bench pressing, and most weight you ever seen on a bench crushed his neck. <laughs> That's how he went. No joke. Right. I mean, uh, I don't have all the facts, but it's like this. It's just crazy. Like. How corrupt this family is. I mean, if anyone else did this, there'd be investigations. Now, there's another report in um, Breitbart. And, and when I looked at this, I thought whistleblower. I immediately thought Bobolinsky, but maybe it's not. It says a whistleblower to meet with FBI again over Biden corruption scandal. The FBI agents will. OK, what is Tony Bobolinsky? Will again interview Tony Bobolinsky regarding his involvement in Hunter Biden's business dealings. Bobolinsky told Sinclair Broadcast Group reporter James Rosen as part of a report on Thursday night. Tony Bobolinsky tells us he was questioned by six FBI agents with counsel present for five hours on October 23rd, listing him as, quote, material witness in an ongoing investigation focused on Hunter Biden and his associates. His, his cell phones were examined. He says that the agents carefully examined the digital evidence captured on all three cell phones that he made available, and he told them he'll be brought back for additional questioning. So, again, that's Bob Alinsky. That's different than Mr. Solomon telling us about um, this whistleblower who says comes out of the financial, uh, in the, I guess, financial industry. And he... And you think back to what he said about the, the, those flag transactions that he first reported on as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on right now. There is a lot going on, <laughs> and it seems like there's a lot that's starting to kind of meld together. Yeah, well, I, and it's five like days out from the election. You know, I, does anyone else feel at this point they almost got to bring Biden in for Hunter for uh, just his own safety at this point? Like, just... I mean, it just feels like every time you get close and somebody's such a loose end, they come oh. down with a sudden case of... People keep joking about <laughs> it, but really, the True. question, where where's Hunter? I mean, where is he? I mean, honestly, uh, would you not be hiding, knowing the, the high-level game you're in? I mean, this is some serious stakes here. Well, his father's got to know where he is. I mean, his father's got to still care for his well-being. It, ah, I mean... I've got two words for you, Damon. Plausible deniability. Yep. You ain't kidding, kid. Well, at some point, plausible deniability is out the window, isn't it? At some yep. point, the walls get too tight. Someone's got to, I mean, where's Hunter? I mean, it's not a joke anymore. Where yeah. is he? Wow. All right, Mayor Giuliani, coming up. Don't want to miss this, because we will break the news to him about this investigation. Live from Studio 6B, glad you're in.
The American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Uh, lots more to do. Remember, Michael J. Knowles from The Daily Wire joins us at 930. But right now, please welcome the former mayor of New York City and the host of the Common Sense Podcast, uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mayor Giuliani, how are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for uh, coming back on the show. Lots to talk about. Let's start with um, GDP numbers this morning. 33.1% increase in GDP. Um, what should the voters take from this? The president said this was coming. Here it is. The num- The underlying numbers are even better than the overall number. What should we be looking at? What we should be looking at is that uh, the president has now demonstrated for a second time that he probably has been the best steward of our economy of any modern American president. He, uh, Until the pandemic, he brought us to our highest level of prosperity, including for the poorest people. Remember, the uh, the uh, job gains for, for blacks and for Hispanics were historic before the pandemic. Uh, lowest unemployment, highest employment, best wages. At the, at, at the low levels, middle levels, upper levels for all groups. Then we were hit by the pandemic and the Democrats, of course, the world was gonna end. We were gonna have a, have a depression we might not come out of. I don't remember how, we were gonna have a 25% unemployment and we'd have a depression for about two years. Well, that's of course, if Biden had been president, we, we would have a depression for two years. He even predicting it with his speech yesterday. We're going to have a terrible winter. The big dark winter is coming. Sounds like the Game of Thrones. Yeah. And you know what happened to the people in the Game of Thrones, right? Yes. So, yeah. so instead, what we have is three months in a row of the highest job gains in history. Uh, we've got people back to work at uh, levels that were at least five times what anybody predicted. And we have GDP growth <laughs> That's historic by three times. A gross domestic product has grown three times. Yeah. I mean, it's never happened before. Yeah. And he's got us about three quarters to 80% of the way back. It would be crazy to replace him with a man who can't count. Yeah. I mean, the guy can't count. And, you know, the last... 336333. <laughs> I was a senator 186 years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, call my number 267-342-64372. Well, Mr. Mayor, the oh, last... I'm running against Ralph. I'm running against Ralph. No, it isn't Ralph. George, 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 George. George. I'm running against George III. Yes. Well, the last time you were on, Come if on. you remember it, you told me, the last time you were on, you told me Joe Biden was the dumbest man that you'd ever met in all your years. But what we didn't know I, then. I was told that by his uh, law school classmate 40 years ago. Yeah. He said to me before I met him. He said, uh, he's a nice guy. Boy, he's about probably the dumbest guy you're ever going to meet. And he didn't fail. He didn't fail me. He, he did fail me on the second part, being a nice guy. This guy's a big crook. He's not a nice guy. Well, that's what I was going to say. And now he's we mean, know he's... he's a mean man. He's a mean, limited man. He to is... do what he did to his son, no father should do that. 
No yeah. father should do that. I have no respect for this man, the way he well, treated his son. Let's talk a little bit about it. You know, Tony Bobolinsky comes out, and, you know, for those of us who have never seen him before, see him for the first time, and you judge someone by their credibility and looking at him, and I will say this. This is the way I would put it, and I'm sure as a former prosecutor you would agree. He is a devastating prosecution witness, credible, uh, honest. Um, I mean, he is a devastating witness. Would you agree? Sure. I mean, just the opposite of Joe Biden, who was caught plagiarizing in law school when he was 21 years old. That's quite a, quite a mark on your character. Then he repeated it when he was in the Senate and running for president, plagiarized again. We know he's lying about not knowing about his family's business because we have the text now to prove it. He's been lying for seven years. And we know he's been getting money because his son tells us that on the, on the hard drive. So we got, what we got is a, a Navy officer who left the Navy under an honorable discharge up against a lying career politician who's been caught lying so many times. It's, it's almost ridiculous. The man has no credibility and no character. So the FBI has been sitting on this hard drive, and up until today, I, my questions for you were going to be, you know, what are they doing over there? And just before you came on, I see this tweet from Charlie Kirk that says, breaking, DOJ officials confirm Hunter Biden and his business associates are currently under active criminal investigation by the FBI. The investigation has been ongoing since 2019 and may include his father, Joe Biden. Where is the media? Uh, that's from Charlie Kirk, uh, breaking, I guess, at 5.40 p.m. So what's your reaction to that? My reaction is I gave them all the documentation in January of 2020. I gave it to the State Department in March of 2019. Enough documentation so you should be able to go in about four months from there to a grand jury to a four or five count racketeering case. Uh, the evidence against Joe Biden is stone cold. And I'm saying that as an extremely experienced prosecutor. Never seen a better bribery case than the one against Joe Biden. And it's in the multi-millions. It'll be the biggest bribery case involving a president or vice president in our history. And it'll show how corrupt the Obama administration was. Because if they break that one open, there are about two or three more Obama people to go down. Obama ran the most corrupt administration in history. And this is what they've been hiding. This is why they have this conspiracy with the big tech and with the big media. I mean, the, 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 the almost biggest story is the censorship they've been able to carry out. They've virtually written away our First Amendment rights. I mean, I have to get this story out on 20 or 30 local stations a day because NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, uh, MSNBC uh, owned and operated affiliates of the Democratic Party. They, they haven't reported once on it. Zero. It also... I mean, that's, uh, that's outrageous. Yeah, that's outrageous. Know. That's such a violation of what it is to be America. I mean, I, I, look, I look at a guy like uh, Dorsey, and I wonder where he grew up. Did he grow up in America? He's going he's gonna to ban the New York Post? Who, who do you think you are, as, as Senator Cruz said? Who the hell do you think you are, God? 
Yeah. Well, you know, it also explains, Mr. Mayor, John Solomon, of course, from Just the News, who we who we work with a lot, who's been on this show, was on a couple nights ago. You know, he broke the story a couple months ago that people like him, you, Sean Hannity, other media personalities were were basically being spied on as well about this Joe Biden barisma. They were trying to get ahead of it. It makes a lot more sense now. They actually monitored us illegally. Yeah. The State Department did. And I've never, I've never, I've never heard a word from the State Department explaining it to me, apologizing to me. Uh, nor did any of the others, Don, uh, Don Jr. Um, yeah, you pretty much, um, I think, Congressman Jim Jordan. It was basically, uh, it was basically a Biden-Hillary enemies list carried out by the, <laughs> carried out by the Trump State Department. Yeah. You can't make it up. Um, you know, Mr. Mayor, one of the things I want to ask you, and one of the things I hear from the audience a lot, and Ted Cruz mentioned this the other day. He said, you know, the salacious stuff with this, with Hunter Biden and what he's done, uh, and if he has his day with the law, that day will come. But he's not sure it moves the needle with voters. Where do you stand on that thought process? Well, I agree and I disagree with Ted. I, I agree with you. The salacious stuff doesn't move anything. The substantive stuff is dramatic, however. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't believe that American voters uh, will vote if they have the facts for a, a, a vice president who sold his office through his family maybe eight or nine times, and from the time he became, became vice president until the time he left, made about $40 million selling it. I just don't think the American people will accept that. Nor do I think they will accept the kind of national security problem he posed and his son to the United States and their dealings with China. So all that salacious material you're talking about, you know, the Chinese have all of it. Sure. I'm not the only one who has it. Yeah, of course. And the Chinese probably have three times what I have. And you know they were gathering it so they could jam it up Joe. And the last transaction, the one that Mr. Bobolinsky is talking about, unless you're totally unsophisticated, was an intelligence operation. It was being run by an intelligence officer of the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping. That's the very rich man he's talking about on tape, Hunter is. It was also being executed by, self-described by Hunter, one of the chief spy masters in China, uh, Mr. Ho. What, what are they doing, the Bidens, Joe and Hunter, being partners with three Chinese communists who are intelligence officers and spies? What are they doing? I mean, if they're not selling out America, what are they doing? And if right. they aren't selling out America, they sure are making it look like they are by taking $10 million a year from them. But I think we're, people- we're going to elect a president. We're going to elect a president who was partners with a high-level Chinese communist intelligence officer, and a and the person his son describes as the biggest spy master in China. This is crazy. It's but Mr. Mayor, but Mr. Mayor, let me ask you this: other than him lying about not knowing what you know, other than his lying about not knowing what Hunter was doing, which, by the way, I think is enough. Are there laws that you believe have been broken by Hunter and mm -hmm. by Joe or just by Hunter that Joe knows about? Oh, they broke the bribery law eight or ten times. In Ukraine, twice. In the Ukraine, there are, there are numerous witnesses. This is what I turned over to the State Department and the Justice Department. 
There are numerous witnesses and tape recordings and audio recordings that will prove that Joe Biden was bribed by uh, Mykola Zloshevsky, one of the crookedest men in Ukraine, that the job that Hunter had was merely a pass-through of money to Joe. And Hunter explains that on the hard drive that the American people are not allowed to listen to. Hunter explains that for 30 years, he's had to pay for all the expenses of the family and give half of what he makes to his, to his father, half. That's the money, the salary going to Hunter. Everybody wondered, what would they be paying Hunter for? He just got thrown out of the Navy for, for cocaine. Why would they be paying him? It's actually $2 million a year. They're not paying Hunter. You gotta be stupid to think they're paying Hunter. They're paying Joe. Hunter's the bag man. And then Joe steps in when the company is being seized. Mykola Zoshevsky's $5.4 billion company is being seized. And Joe stops the president of Ukraine from doing that. That's what that conversation is all about. That's what the hard drive can prove. That's what the witnesses can prove. And that's why the Democrat Party has been so corrupt and so obstructive in this. Because when that opens up, you're going to see that there were many other pay-for-play deals like that involving Obama administration officials, particularly in Ukraine, going back to about 2012. Well, Mr. Mayor, I wish I had more time, but we got to go. And I always thank you for coming on this okay. show. And thank you much for giving us a few moments. You're welcome. Thank Mayor you. Rudy Giuliani here, live from Studio 6B. We got more to do. Michael Knowles coming up at 930. We're back right after this. There was no other reason for me to be in that bar meeting Joe Biden than to discuss what I was doing with his family's name uh, and the Chinese. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with a Chinese-owned you know, uh, enterprise. America First Action is responsible for the content of this advertising. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night on Real America's Voice. Lots more to do. Paul have some more news. Rick Delgado's here. Michael J. Knowles from The Daily Wire and The Michael J. Knowles Show. Of course, author, speaker, and uh, author of one of my favorite books, uh, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, which, of course, is 150 blank pages. So he nailed it. Um, He'll be coming up at 930, but right now it's time to do some sports with... The Paisley man himself tonight, Rick Emirati. <laughs> What's going on? All right, Big D. Well, from one great mayor to possibly the biggest dud of a mayor in the history of mankind. <laughs> New York City mayor deflects questions about proposed Mets sale to Steve Cohen. New York City mayor Bill de Blasio, as I reported on last night, this is a follow-up to that story, deflected questions Thursday about whether he wants to block the sale of the New York Mets to hedge fund manager Steve Cohen. Asked about the proposed sale at a news briefing earlier today, de Blasio 
Blasio said the city law department is legally obligated to review the sale because City Field, where the Mets play, is on city land. It's our land, de Blasio said. There is a legal requirement that if there's an ownership change, it has to be evaluated. Our law department is doing that evaluation based on the law. Uh, a provision in the city's lease agreement says any new owner of the team cannot be someone who has been convicted of a felony or is an organized crime figure. Uh, Cohen's former company, SAC Capital Partners, pleaded guilty in an insider trading case in 2014 and paid $1.8 billion in fines. Cohen himself, though, was not charged in the case. Asked twice by reporters whether he thought Cohen was a fit owner, de Blasio declined to comment. Story goes on. De Blasio confirmed he had called baseball commissioner Rob Manford to discuss this matter. He has, the Post has learned, told MLB commissioner Rob Manford outright that he doesn't want Steve Cohen to own the Mets. A key <laughs> Cohen opponent is state senator Jessica Ramos. Now, you might remember Jessica. She was the one who blocked the Amazon deal that would have brought 25,000 people into Long Island City and really would have given the city quite an economic boom. Well, she thwarted that and was part of that whole uh, coalition, if you will, that really blew it for New York. Um, so that being said, uh, there's more to this. Ramo also penned an op-ed in July endorsing the sale of the Mets to the group led by Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. So it sounds like Senator Ramos is trying to run a little interference with a good friend, Mayor de Blasio. Most Mets fans want no part of A-Rod. After that PED uh, <laughs> allegation over the years, and then on top of that, he tried to deny it and challenge baseball, took him to court, wasted everybody's time, print, breath, what you have it. Mets fans want no part of that ex-Yankee, Tex Ranger, A-Rod. So that being said, very interesting, and let's keep an eye on this story as it's going to develop because, again, politics has reared its ugly head right into professional sports well the problem is the mayor of new york seems like he um was up there against mariana rivera and got hit we you know with no helmet on that's the problem <laughs> yeah. with this guy so you know yeah. what as a flea-ridden met fan you just put mets and de blasio in the same sentence then lob a rod and j-lo in there i can tell you flat out i knew this wasn't going to work out very yeah, good it's for pretty him. much a disastrous <laughs> story at that point and, and big d and big d don't forget he's probably licking his wounds from that 1986 series because we all know de blasio is a huge Red Sox fan. Remember Billy Buckner? He couldn't bend over and pick up anything. Well, he's still licking his wounds from that 86 series, I'm sure, and has no love for the Mets. So that being said, and I wish you would send me to do an on-field report for this, the Bermuda Championship BGA Tournament this weekend, Big D. Uh, Port Royal Golf Club in Southampton, Bermuda. Probably one of the most beautiful places in the world. You know, speaking of sending you places, Rick, somebody, uh, one of our viewers said that because he hates sports so much, he <laughs> Yeah. He'd like to see you become an investigative reporter for the show. Oh, okay. So, dude, he, he, he is not sneaking up on anybody with that outfit. And, uh, <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't know how that's going to go. Ladies, ladies, the new segment is at the end of the show, whoever has the funniest comment could win a dream date with Rick A. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that's going to go, Rick, with you sneaking up on people with a microphone like your uh, Project Veritas. Yeah. But he'll, he'll, me, he'll moonwalk his way in. Where Project. do you see the suit I got loaded up for election night? Boy, you wouldn't miss that. Rod Stewart's going to be jealous of that I mean, one. I mean, unless the person he's investigating is, is stuck in some nice. 1970s house with a, <laughs> with with a wallpaper that looks like that jacket. Plastic on the couch. Uh, right. Man, I love you guys. Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the Bermuda Championships, Big D. And, and guys, Peter Malnetti shot an 8-under today. This is a par 71 course. Uh, and Doug Gim and Ryan Armour are both shot a uh, under 7. So we're going to keep an eye on that. No big names, Big D. Daryl Tiger- Will- 
Daryl Williams has a good idea. Maybe we oh, should just good. put the Mets up on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just be done with it. Yeah. All right. Hey, we got Thursday night football. Let's not forget that either. We got the one and six Falcons fa- uh, facing the three and four Panthers over at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's the bottom of the South there. This NFC South division. These guys used to be fierce rivals, and I guess they still are. It was the uh, Panthers are a minus two. The over under is fifty two, and right now the Panthers lead seven to three. Last time I looked. Um, Curtis Samuel up the middle for 12 yards, and uh, the, the Falcons have got a lot of trouble. They got a new the, coach um, now, and who knows? The Falcons invent ways to lose games every week. <laughs> they invent ways that no one even knew you could lose that way. They come up with it. And the most colossal and famous collapse of all time was that Falcons Super Bowl against the Patriots. So, big day. No better word said there. You know, I saw somebody, and I don't know who it is to give credit to, but I thought they said if Trump wins – the polling where he's down, uh, like, let's say 17 or 18 nationally in some of these places that have had him, like NBC, yeah. that's the new 28-3 to three, uh, Atlanta over New England if, if, if he wins. That's how, that's how much they blew it if, wow. uh, if he wins. That's some of those polls where they show him plus 18 is the new 28-3. to three. And I thought that was pretty much right on the money. Man. And uh, just one more piece of news before I close out the sports segment for this hour. Uh, Major League Baseball news. White Sox made a bold move today. They hired 76-year-old Hall of Famer Tony LaRussa to lead the championship team. LaRussa coached the team back from uh, 1979 to 1986, and he's coming back after nine years in retirement. He is the first uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame manager in the history of the game to come back to, uh, to coach his team or manage a team. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of concerned about you know this old 76 year old connecting with the uh, Chicago White Sox but I know we have a huge Chicago audience and uh, hey we'll see uh, you know the White Sox haven't done much in many many years so maybe uh, maybe Tony LaRusso will bring him some some luck okay. so uh, Big D that's my uh, wrap in sports for this this hour alright G let's end hour one here on a great note put up that Michigan poll from the Trafalgar group the only group that got Michigan right last time around I believe look at this Paul wow nice Trump oh. forty nine, Biden forty six. Wow! And let me, let me, let me. That's the um, let's that's the shot. Here's the uh, chaser. Cut thirty two. G, if you've got that, uh, this is Debbie Ding, uh, Debbie Ding, not <laughs> Debbie Dingbat, Debbie Ding, Debbie what? does Ding, Debbie Dingle, 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 Dingle from Dingle. Michigan. Roll that. It's it, it's tightening here Ooh. in Michigan. I I am out there. Uh, probably doing more than I should, but I'm always masked. And yesterday I had the, uh, I, I, the, some of the auto workers who I thought were going to go back to Joe Biden had, were very clear with me last night. They were voting for President Trump. And I think what we're seeing now Oops. is that on the ground, people have to turn out their votes. As you noted, President Trump's coming back on Friday. Uh, uh, my grapevine tells me he'll probably be back again before Election Day. Mm-hmm. I had some auto workers that I'm pretty sure were going to go to Biden, <laughs> who I spoke to yesterday, and they yep. told me they're voting for President Trump. It's tightening here in Michigan, she says. This just in, breaking the Firefighters Union of Philadelphia just endorsed Trump. They had another vote. I saw it was that. Unanimous. Nice. Yep. Um, so that, Debbie that, Dingle says it's tightening on the ground in Michigan. The Trafalgar Group has them up three. I think that means he's pulling away in Michigan. But that's just me. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know I'm about the that. eternal optimist. Yeah. Yes, because they, they're the, again, 
They had it right, so that's why I give it a lot of credence. But they're the only ones who have them up. There's places that have them down as much of as nine in Michigan still. So quite the difference. But what's going on? Five days to save the country. All right, live from Studio 6B. Great hour one, hour two coming up. Michael J. Knowles at the bottom of the hour. Talk about a lot of great stuff with him from the Daily Wire. And the Michael J. Knowles Show, which you can see every day at the Daily Wire. Studio 6B <laughs> on a Thursday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul's here <laughs> with the news, I think. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to have more sports. Michael J. Knowles from the Daily Wire is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we started the show well, with John Solomon on the breaking news that there's an active investigation out on Hunter Biden. But the other thing we did, and I didn't play a couple of clips that I want to, on the GDP numbers, 33.1% came out today. Uh, the president has been right all along. It absolutely is a super V. And there it is right there. Look at that. And uh, Monica Crowley was on with our own Carrie Sheffield from Just the News in her shows on every morning, 9 to 10, on Real America's Voice. She's got great guests, great segments. They do great stuff. And uh, she had on Monica Crowley. Uh, from the administration, 34G, here's her thoughts on the GDP. Roll that. So this is a monster number, 33.1% GDP growth in the third quarter. That is a monster number, and it shattered all expectations, and is actually the fastest and biggest GDP number that we have ever had in American history. Expectations were for about 31% GDP growth, so that shattered expectations. And it shows just how fast and broad this economic recovery is. In fact, this GDP... GDP number is an indicator of other economic indicators as well that show how solid and durable this economic recovery is. We are now below 8% unemployment. Most experts expected that we would not get there before the end of next year. Retail sales hit an all-time high in the month of September. And key manufacturing indicators as well are now now back to pre-pandemic levels. So President Trump pre-pandemic presided over the longest economic expansion on record, and now he's presiding over the fastest and greatest economic recovery from any crisis in American history. Yeah. So uh, a couple other people uh, on this. Um, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, got the news. And uh, 35G, here's um, how Joe phrased it. Roll that. Yes, the economy is growing at 7.4%. The number looks great. It's a historic number. Uh, It comes on the heels of a lot of pain in the past and some pain to come. But still, bottom lining this for the election that everybody's looking at five days from now, um, Donald Trump's going to be able to run around and say, this last quarter, the economy grew at a record rate, the, the, the highest rate ever. 
period, end of sentence. Look how mad he is. I know. <laughs> this sucks. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah, besi- yeah, exactly. Besides that, he, he's, gonna, he's not going to run around, Joe, and say uh, – he's going to run around and say, my policies is what made this happen. Lower taxes, lower regulations. The anti-Joe Biden plan is what put this and made this possible. The American people made this possible. But we laid a foundation for this to come back because of lower taxes, because of low unemployment, because of more people in the workforce than ever before who were able to come back. 11, 12 million jobs put back in the first two months. So all of that's the reason. It's not like he just waved the magic wand and he's going to run around. He's going to run around now and say... No, no. Anybody who knows anything is paying attention, could see and listen and hear and know that the president knew what he was talking about. As he said multiple times, you know, I got a pretty good handle even before I was president on how this economy stuff works. I'm pretty good with the numbers. I mean, basic economics will tell you that what the president did, all of his policies of over all this time, and the regulations might be more important than the tax cuts, but the tax cuts clearly help. And some of the other stuff he's done by executive order, payroll taxes that he keeps pushing for, and all this other stuff had, is what allowed this to happen. It's not like he got lucky. He's, this guy sounds like he's mad, like Paul says. Oh, I can't believe this worked out for him. <laughs> oh, what a lucky guy. Trump's going to get to take credit for a good economy. Shucks. He's, he's well, got poopy face on. <laughs> someone who thinks he doesn't get any credit, cut 36G, um, roll that. The economy grew at an annual rate of 33.1% in the third quarter. Does President Trump deserve any credit for that? The CARES Act deserves credit for that. Uh, the uh, the CARES Act gets the ground in the second quarter. Uh, this barely makes up for that. And the CARES Act uh, deserves credit for injecting the resources into the economy, whether it's uh, then in our subsequent CARES and the subsequent PPP. Uh, so it's as if, if somebody used an example this morning, as if you lost $100 in the second quarter, and now you're making up uh, $65. Glory, hallelujah. No. And, and if we God. don't pass a, re- a recovery bill, a, 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 a COVID. God, enough Take of her. Us. She's yeah. illiterate, evil, and stupid. Can I say that? I yeah. think I can. I just did. <laughs> Record it, push it out. She's evil, <laughs> illiterate, and stupid. How great would it be to get her on the show? How great would it be oh, if we get to just God. like we, we have to tie it down and ask her a dozen questions? <laughs> a dozen questions? You couldn't even get through three. No. Well, her answers. You'd we, be at. Well, uh, we'd have, we'd just, have it would sodium pentothal and blow dots. Poof. <laughs> like true serum hitting us. See exactly what she's on her mind. Yeah, so he gets no credit according to her, and that's fine. He doesn't want any credit from you. So. Um, all right, I got a lot to do still. I, I got good clips from my. I got Crazy Town. I got Michael Moore. But let's do some news here uh, with Paul Nolan. Or do you want to talk about your green, your uh, Greenwald, uh, Matt Taibbi thing? Well, um, it's just breaking news. Well, not breaking news, but it's a great story. Matt Taibbi, uh, to me, I, I'm going to offend some people here. I just think he's a really good reporter. He's on the left. He challenges my ideology, but he comes with reason all the time. I disagree with his articles a lot of times philosophically, but I like to challenge my belief system. And he has a great article with another liberal who I think is a good writer, but I don't agree with Glenn Greenwald, who just we've reported on has left the intercept that he founded because they were editing him because of the peer pressure and because of the out and out blatant 
propaganda that no one's allowed to say one bad word about Biden and they can say bad things about Trump, even if it's officially not true. And I, the, um, I sent Damon the article because he's such a good orator. He's like Obama. You remind me of Obama sometimes. Oh, great. Wow. Thank you so much. Paul. Wow. Except I don't. I don't. Uh, except that you're not a communist. I don't run except around apologizing you, for the uh, for the country. Yes. You, you're not a communist. Now, folks. You haven't sold out America. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I guess this email exchange that you sent me is between him and someone called Betsy Reed, who I'm I'm not exactly clear here as I'm scanning who she is. I'm assuming maybe she's the main editor in chief yes. or something. So she says to him, "This is what you wanted me to read." The emails, right? Yes. She says, "As you've laid out." I see a path to doing this story as kind of explainer on what's known and what isn't. If it sticks to the facts, we can confirm and is clear about what we can't. This is a piece of some significance, however, which is likely to elicit a great deal of scrutiny, and we need to make sure we get it right. So we need to go through the editorial process and fact-checking that we apply to any story with this kind of high profile. I know Ryan is helping with some reporting, but Peter is still planning to edit. We also have a lot of in-house knowledge about Ukraine that we should tap into via Jim, who is also working on a story related to this. And Rob, I get that you have disagreements with them, but we should be able to agree on a common set of facts. So that's from her. So Mr. Greenwald responded by saying, but this is what is really going on. If someone at The Intercept wants to say something consistent with the prevailing, prevailing liberal narrative or designed to help Biden win, same thing, no editorial standards of any kind are applied. They're free to say whatever they want, even if it's false. That's why Ryzen was able to publish a story today claiming over and over that the New York Post emails are Russian disinformation, even though everybody knows there's no proof of that. But liberals like, and it helps Biden. So, well, good to go. That's great private emails, and I'm so glad he's reported that. That's the kind of transparency. If we got that from the philosophically different left, where it was a reasonable, rational Democratic Party from, let's just say, JFK through, well, JFK, <laughs> you know, I can take it. I can, I can listen to it. But it's it's psychotic. It's just gone completely unhinged, you know. And um, I'm just glad to see you know people are standing up for for freedom of press, freedom of speech, and just really scary times. This is an extensive article. We'll link to this if you're interested and um, if you're interested in reading it. So so. I mean, while you're looking at that, I can tell you I have yeah. good news because I Go was ahead. so, you know, Damon, I trust his opinion, you know, and when he like kind of says stuff with authority, I'm like, God darn it, the big fella said this. So yesterday was definitely tough. But the good news was a polling method utilized by the University of Southern California's uh, Dorns Life College is predicting that President Donald Trump will secure an electoral college victory, deviating from many polls models produced by corporate media and accounting for what they call social desirability bias. The USC polling model seeks to account for what they're citing as shy Trump supporters by asking poll respondents how they believe that those in their own immediate social circles will vote. So to evaluate the potential impact of shy voter belief on the responses of the poll participants, we asked them to uh, these three questions. 
what percent of their social contracts might be embarrassed, contacts would be embarrassed to admit to pollsters their opinion about Trump or Biden? What percentage might feel or fear a harassment if they admit these opinions? And what percent might want to obstruct polls by misreporting who they will vote for? And uh, this is saying that they they secu- they say he will uh, secure the vote. And it's pretty uh, it's pretty clear cut, according to this one. Okay. Well, we showed you the um, Trafalgar Group in Michigan. Um, How much time do I have here? Two minutes. Do I have time to play this Michigan uh, Democrat? Uh, No, I don't. It's three and a half, so I don't have time for that. But um, so there's this Democratic congressman out in Michigan, I believe Flint, and he gave a speech yesterday that you've got to hear. And he may be the one, but he kind of in words, represents what we've been saying. When we talk about vote, like, I don't know how you can be so cavalier about voting if you really take a look. And as we said, it's, it's sad to say that everything's on the table because certainly it shouldn't be in any one election, given our system, our constitutional republic, our checks and balances. But it does seem that everything is on the table because the Democrats have made no bones about it. Yeah. That, this, that this would, if they, God forbid, were to win all three, take the House, the Senate, and the presidency, our, the constitutional republic that these elections that we're used to is over. Well, it would be the last one. Yeah, it, it's, it's almost like the lunatics have, have taken control, and they're going to decide everything for everyone. And it's amazing because it happened so quickly. Though not really, it's been going on for a long time, and I think that's what people years. don't realize. But Trump... Another great thing about Trump, he made them come out. He made them show themselves. Whether he wanted to or not, they have now come out in full force because he has made them so crazy. So in a way, it's a good thing. So I'm going to play you this, um, if I have time to get to, this Democratic uh, congressman from Michigan. And he says, listen, the country's more important than the party. And I'm voting for Trump. And a couple other endorsements Trump got today that we'll talk about as well. So live from Studio 6B and, of course, Michael J. Knowles at the bottom of the hour. So still a busy show. Lots to do. Glad you're in on a Thursday night on Real America's Voice. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, Daily Motion. Stay with us. There's no other reason for me to be in that bar meeting Joe Biden than to discuss what I was doing with his family's name uh, in the Chinese. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with a Chinese-owned, you know, uh, enterprise. America First Action is responsible for the content of this advertising. All right, live from Studio 6B on Thursday night. Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Mayor Giuliani joined us in the first hour. Michael Knowles, host of the Michael Knowles Show at the Daily Wire, will join us at the bottom of this hour. Uh, lots to do. We'll, let's do some more news here with, with uh, Paul Nolan, and then we'll play this Democrat congressman from Michigan in his very fine speech he gave yesterday. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? So an attacker screaming... Allah Akbar beheaded a woman and killed two other people Thursday at a church in France. 
the elderly victim was uh, virtually beheaded and had become uh, had come to pray at the Notre Dame Basilica in Nice. Uh, the BBC reported two other people who died were killed inside the church, and a woman was able to flee to a nearby cafe after being stabbed several times before dying later that day. One of the victims believed uh, to be a church warden. Uh, nice Mayor Christian Estrosi uh, said, according to uh, the Reuters News Division, several others were wounded. Uh, the suspect was shot, detained shortly afterwards, and uh, the killings are being investigated by France terror prosecutors. Two other mm. attacks took place within hours of the attack in Nice. A police killed a man who was threatening a uh, passerby with a gun in another French city and and uh, while yelling, Allah, Allah, Akbar. And, and uh, they, I know they did a big raid. They they they. They converged on a bunch of mosques and basically detained a couple hundred people and just demanded answers from everybody. I heard um, Willie Geist on Morning Joe this morning talking about this story and saying, you know, uh, well, we don't know the motive yet. (laughs) Okay. You're making that up. No, I'm not making it up. That's what he said. We that was know. on a real news show. That wasn't like a comedy show. No, that was real. You were the motive. The motive is unknown, Joe. The motive was unknown. Okay, okay, okay. We'll run uh, with you. We'll get you. Get back to us. We may never know. Wasn't I know. the right. motive death, death to all infidels? Uh, something like that. Something but like that. according yeah. to Willie Geist, the motive is unknown on and MSNBC. No one in the audience say Muhammad. So. No one say it. All right, what else? All right, uh, last, uh, oh, this is breaking news that I like. Uh, My man, my ace in the hole over there at Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, um, he announced uh, today that that uh, he filed Freedom of Information Acts, the FOIA lawsuit against the National Security Agency, the NSA, for records of requests for former uh, Vice President Joe Biden and other Obama administration officials, including Obama's chief of staff, who unmasked Lieutenant General Flynn. And uh, the term unmasking refers to the practice of disclosing political appointees and their identities of U.S. citizens referenced in intelligence surveillance uh, of foreign nationals. U.S. citizens' names are typically redacted from such reports unless specific request is made to unmask them, as we all know. And uh, this is the list. And here's some of the uh, people on it. Uh, Samantha Powers, James Clapper, um, John Brennan, Patrick Conlon, uh, Mike Newfeld, Sarah Raskin. Uh, this is a good list. Sarah Raskin. Uh, who was it? Uh, James Comey, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, yeah, shocking, right? Uh, it's a list of, of 32 people here, all uh, set out to ruin a good patriot's life. So, Who is still not at the end of his uh, story yet uh, because of this judge. Which is Sullivan, incredible. Who's been, you know, he was a henchman for the Bush administration. He's just a deep state lowlife. All right, cut 33, G. So here's this Michigan um, Dem congressman, congressman talking about um, Trump yesterday. Roll that. What an honor to be standing before you at a serious time like this in the world. Pandemic, the China virus or a plague. I even caught it and was in intensive care twice. The narrative has been spent. This is not a game, folks. President Trump, Vice President Pence, God used whoever he want to to bring his people out of whatever the problem have to be. Right now, the narrative been spent. President Trump is full of hate. Let me tell you something. The Democrats is full of hate. 
I'm tired. I've been a Democrat. I am a Democrat all my life. 64 years. Last four years, I voted for Hillary Clinton. This year, I decided to go with President Trump. I'm not a bootlicker. I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm none of those things. I'm somebody that's in a poor, impoverished community. President Trump, thanks to my good friend, Charles LaDuff out of Detroit, I was doing a piece on closing liquor stores early because I live inside of a crime scene right here in Flint. People are in foreclosure right here in Flint. People are losing everything. And when Mr. Trump said, what the hell you got to lose? He was talking to me. He was not talking to my seat. Only thing Maurice D. Davis got to lose is a council seat at $700 every two weeks. But this is what I got to gain. Instead of being a divided state of America, it's time to be the United States of America. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I don't want to hear fault. He without sin cast the first stone. We saved under grace. God used whoever he want to, such as times like these. Vice President Pence, the Trump administration, they reached out to me. Our water crisis has been silent. I've been before probably 170 million people in a couple of days. Interviews everywhere and people accuse me of being selfish. People dying right here and have died. We're tired of suffering and nobody give a damn about poor folks. President Trump, they rushed out with nothing but love from y'all all over this nation. I don't want to hear another time I'm a Trump supporter. I'm an American supporter. Y'all have more love. Now, the Democrats call me every name but the child of God. And I'm going to shut up because I got two minutes because much more I can say. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. This guy's great. This nation is one nation under God. One nation under God. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Uh, another registered Democrat voting for Trump. Yeah. Yep. And I remind you about Debbie Dingell in Michigan saying it's tightening here. I'll give, I gave you the Trafalgar poll. They're the only ones who had it right. Um, so, all right, I have only two minutes, so I don't have time for Michael Moore. We have Michael Knowles coming up. but um, crazy, crazy Town? Crazy Town? Yeah, let's do the Crazy Town, G. We got time for that. So, this is, I, don't, I don't even have to introduce it. Let's just roll it. All you people in Oregon. Oh, man. Here with Shimmy Sharif. My colleague, who's also oh a senior God, health advisor, and we thought we'd start by giving you a quick update on where we are as a state with COVID-19. As of today, there have been 38,160 cases of COVID-19 in Oregon, with 390 uh, uh, new cases being reported why is today. Dressed up Sadly, like we are also reporting three deaths today, bringing the statewide total for COVID-19-related deaths to 608. saw that <laughs> now 
what's amazing about that, if you gee, put that up and just scroll into the, a little bit into it when she first comes on, you look at her name at the bottom, she has the, she actually is a full board cert. She has MD. Yeah. She is a doctor. That's a doctor. She is a full-blown board certified medical doctor. But Dee, I don't know if you know this or not. She doesn't actually practice medicine with medicines and equipment. She uses the gift of laughter, the healing of medicine of laughter. <laughs> There's no medicine whatsoever, no antibiotics. Just the she heal the healing medicine of laughter. She dressed and did the makeup like a clown. An evil clown. <laughs> no, I think that's just her regular makeup. <laughs> She's getting We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night, 30 minutes past the hour. Paul's going to have more news. Rick's here. Rick M. Radio have more sports. Geo friend holding it down. But right now, please welcome one of my favorite guests back to the show who has appeared on this show more than anyone else, and I appreciate it every time. He's the host of the Michael Knowles Show at the Daily Wire. That would be Mr. Michael J. Knowles. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. I won't call you anonymous. I'll just stick with Michael J. Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well have been. I mean, when that anonymous guy came out, I thought, hold on. I, I, you told me it was going to be the vice president or the U.N. <laughs> ambassador or the, no, it's some, some staffer. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Guy who works in the kitchen. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> high-ranking unnamed source. You know when they say that, just run for the hills. Um, You're right. Well, lots to talk about here, five days out, but let's talk about the news this morning. 33.1 GDP growth. The underlying numbers are even better than that. The president has said this was coming. What do you take from these numbers? Uh, What should we what should voters take from this? Well, President Trump has consistently outperformed expectations, not just the media's expectations, but I think even the rest of us, too. That is a huge number. What it shows you is that the underlying Trump economy was very, very strong before COVID, and even more than COVID, these Democrat lockdowns shut down that economy. It seems to me no coincidence that they have continued these lockdowns even uh, you know, for months and months after we would have needed them as we head into the election. Uh, Bill Maher, le- le- prominent left-winger, said months and months ago, he said, we need a recession. I know it'll hurt people, but it's better to have a recession and kick Trump out of office. A recession is the only way we're gonna be able to get Trump out. And Trump said, nah, sorry guys, we have the strongest economy in the world. We're going to do it again. That's all talk and talk until now we have some numbers that shows actually it looks like the president can back it up. Yeah, and it's one of the one of the things that the voters give him the edge on. I mean, if you believe anything the polls tell you, it's one of the edges that he's always had over Biden is the economy. But um, so yesterday, the big tech guys were uh, virtually, unfortunately, I think virtually um, on Capitol Hill in front of the, I guess, not in front of the Judiciary Committee, which is where I wish they were, because I think you would have got better 
overall questions, but Cruz was great. I thought Gardner was great, and I thought Mike Lee was great. Um, yeah. And by the way, it's good to know that you can be worth $9.5 billion and look like you just got rescued off of an island that you've been by yourself for three years, but that's, right. another, <laughs> that's another story. Um, what did you make of uh, Senator Cruz and uh, Senator Lee? Senator Cruz did a great job. You know, I'm a little partial to the guy. We, we, we do this podcast together called Verdict. Yes. And he told me on the last episode of it, he said exactly what you said. It would be better to bring these big tech oligarchs before the Judiciary Committee. They'll get tougher questioning. It'd be better to do it in person. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. It was the Commerce Committee, which went a little softer, and it was virtual so they could hide themselves and, and hide behind bad technology. Ironically, you've got these tech giants with very weak web cameras and <laughs> yeah. weak microphones. But I felt Cruz did the best. I agree that Gardner and Lee did very well, too. You can see in Cruz's questioning his skill as a prosecutor here, because in a very telling moment, he led Jack Dorsey down this path. He said, does Twitter influence political campaigns and elections? Jack Dorsey says, absolutely not. He said, no, no impact at all on politics. Absolutely not. You're telling me, Mr. Dorsey, that there is no way in which Twitter will affect politics. No, I'm saying it won't. Then why do you suppress the news? And it was just that little turn there, because of course we know that, that Twitter is affecting politics, but Twitter's own argument is that they need to suppress certain news stories because they're having an undue impact on politics. So that, that totally knocked him out of the water. And then I felt Lee did a good job and Gardner both did a good job nailing him on, the, on this issue of, how many liberals have been kicked off of Twitter? Jack Dorsey pretended that he didn't know the ideological backgrounds of the Twitter users. And then in the next breath, he said, also, we've kicked off two Democrats. And Mike Lee persisted and said, which Democrats? And Jack Dorsey couldn't yeah. name them. He was My plucking it out of thin air. It's like, your people, yeah. Exactly. It's like when you, you know, you ask your buddy in, in middle school, you say, you have a girlfriend? He said, oh, yeah, my girlfriend. She lives in Canada, though. You're not going to meet her. She's, she's far away somewhere. That's what Jack Dorsey was doing. It was really pathetic. And I don't think that any of us want to be ruled or have our public square ruled by this bizarre looking hipster with a nose ring and a beard that should keep him off of airplanes. I don't think anybody, anybody wants to, to have that. It's very, very bizarre behavior. He refused to answer any of the questions head on because he feels that he doesn't have to. He feels he's much more powerful. Zuckerberg was out of the line of fire, and he's done better than Dorsey. But Zuckerberg, too, needs to be questioned. And, of course, Sundar Pichai at Google. This is a big issue, and I think conservatives finally need to use the arms of politics, the, the power that people have given us, to bring this un under control. Because there is nothing constitutional or conservative about allowing these guys to undermine self-government. Yeah, you know, some say conservatives are two years too late on this, and it's a little it's a little late to the table on all the hard questioning. And you see Twitter back at it again today with, I believe, uh, Mark Morgan got locked out of his account by talking about the wall or posting some pictures about the wall today. And I just wonder, you know, independence, this is, is this something that you think can move the needle even in the last five days here with independence? Because they don't like censorship. They don't. I don't think it's the biggest issue. The, the, the reason that Twitter matters is because all of the people who work in the news media are on Twitter. So a lot of, you know, you, you saw this effect with Morning Joe a number of years ago. No one watches Morning Joe except for all the journalists. So Morning Joe gets a lot of traction. And I think it's the same thing with Twitter. It's not the most popular social media platform by far. Facebook is much more popular and obviously Google is as well. It's the same issue, I, I think, with the Hunter Biden scandal. The Hunter Biden scandal is a big deal. It shows that Joe Biden is corrupt. We've known he's corrupt since the 70s. 
but I don't think it moves the needle. What moves the needle is Joe Biden saying he's going to get rid of oil. What moves the needle is Joe Biden saying he's going to get rid of fracking in Pennsylvania. Those are issues that actually matter to people. I think we assume that these big tech guys are corrupt. We assume that the politicians are corrupt. But damn it, don't take away my energy and don't take away my job. Trump has focused on that. I think that's very smart moving into this election. But then there's another issue, which is I'm not convinced this is a persuasion election. I think this is a turnout election. I don't think we're fighting over the middle here necessarily. I think we're fighting over motivation to get our bases, our respective bases out to vote. And you've seen in the last few days of this campaign, much more of a focus on the base to turn them out and get them to the polls. Okay, see, that's very interesting because, number one, I was going to ask you about because Cruz had said, I don't think it moves the needle, and I wanted to know your thoughts, so that you gave them to me. So um, it's interesting that you say it's a turnout base. So then let me ask you this because I think sometimes the left gets too caught up in the polls that they see that he's 100 points ahead every day, and the right mm-hmm. gets too caught up in these boat parades and car parades. So y- are you more in the camp that we should believe our eyes on these parades and the tens of thousands of people and the parades and the boats and the cars and all of this? craziness we're seeing that we've never seen before? Or do you think it's a toss-up? What, where, what camp do you fall down into? I don't think we should believe anything. I think we should go out and vote. Your, your analysis there is spot on. The left believes the established institutions and the established press, and the right believes this enthusiasm that we're seeing, that we're, we're talking to our people. We see 20,000 people at a Trump rally. That's all well and good, but the election's going to come down to 11 counties just out in this country. So you might get a ton of people out at a Trump rally in, I don't know, Texas, which now the left is saying is a toss-up. I don't really think it's a toss-up. But you, you get a lot of people out there. Okay, that makes us feel good. You've got to get to the polls. The way the left uses the, the public opinion polls is they use it to boost up their base and suppress the conservatives. Say, well, gosh, you know, Joe Biden's up 14 points. It's not even worth it to go out and vote. A conservative should not be discouraged by that at all. Uh, It's going to come down to those 11 counties. I think Biden has hit his maximum in the polls. I don't think anyone is calling a Biden supporter and he's lying about who he's voting for and lying and saying he's a Trump supporter. So I think if Biden right now is at whatever, 48, 49, depending on where you're looking, that is his cap. And then where is Trump? In some places, Trump is at 46% or 47%. But I do think there's a bigger buffer in there. So I suspect the polls are oversampling Democrats. I suspect the polls are not totally reflecting uh, the, the reality because I don't think they really changed their model after 2016. But none of that is a cause for complacency. This thing is going to be very, very close. Even I think the president's greatest supporters are predicting that he will lose the popular vote. So there will be a lot of people out there voting, maybe not for Biden, but against Trump. And so therefore for Biden. And I, I don't think any of us can take this for granted. You see what's going on in Pennsylvania, and let's stick with that since we're talking about election night. Do we know what happens on election night? You see what happens in Pennsylvania yesterday. Again, 4-4 tie. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts sides with the liberals again on taking up this uh, the Supreme Court to hear this case. Do you think a scenario where uh, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, where the states are deciding on the electors and the state legislatures where the Republicans hold uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, Arizona, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio, Iowa, all have Republican state legislatures. Do you have a scenario where any of that comes into play in this election? Of course. I mean, you you could get into a situation when you get into the litigation here where we have Bush v. Gore times five or Bush v. Gore times 10. It's actually interesting. When uh, the the left had been pushing this idea that they were going to win the election in the courts, they were bragging about how Joe Biden had hired 600 lawyers and how Joe shouldn't concede under any circumstances and we're going to fight it out till the end. The minute 
Justice Ruth Ginsburg died. The minute it became clear that we were going to get a majority on the Supreme Court, all of a sudden that all went away. And no, you got to go out there and vote and don't don't worry about that. We're not going to litigate it. So uh, there, there are some structural advantages that we have. But, but again, we're talking about Pennsylvania, I think. And it, it, when you're looking at Pennsylvania, there are a lot of irregularities in Philadelphia. There are Philadelphia poll workers who, who have resist, hashtag resist, in their social media account bios. There have been experiments conducted by journalists in Philadelphia that have shown that the mail-in voting has huge errors. 3% of ballots gone missing in, in one of those experiments. You've got a, a, lot, a lot of other irregularities there. So what, what will we be able to know? How are we going to track duplicate ballots? How are we going to track ballot harvesting? How are we going to track the ballots that end up on the side of the road like they did in New York just a couple of months ago? There, I suspect if it, if it comes down to a narrow race, there will be a lot of litigation. And it does make me feel better that while the left has such an institutional advantage, Republicans do hold some state houses here, do hold some governorships here, and, and we may, may have to flex that political power. I don't think we should be afraid to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, in closing here, I got about a minute and a half left. Um, in closing, you know, it, it's really weird every night to be on the show and talk. And I'm, I don't know if you find this too, to talk about how we keep using these words, everything's on the table this election. It's liberty, it's tyranny, it's what kind of country we want to live in. But realistically, n everything shouldn't really be on the table in any one election. And I feel like the, they, the Democrats have made no bones about what they want to do. Pack the court, get rid of the filibuster, uh, more senators. I mean, it's just, it really does feel like everything's on the table and it feels like it shouldn't be that way. It is on the table. And every year we hear this is the most important election of our lifetime. But that may well be the case. Sometimes people are just saying it to get you to vote. But it can be the case that this is the most important election, and four years from now is going to be the most important election, and four years after that is going to be the most important election. Mike Anton wrote, famously wrote the Flight 93 essay about how 2016 was the most important election. He says this year is even more important. There's no contradiction there. What, what the Democrats are talking about is adding two new states, the federal district, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. That will add four new Democratic senators that will, add, that will completely change the way that we vote for the president. That yeah. will effectively destroy the, the Republican Party as a national governing party. They're talking about packing the court. That will effectively destroy the Republicans' ability to have any sort of judicial philosophy uh, in, in our judiciary. They're talking about ending the filibuster, so they'll be able to ram through even more of their agenda. I got 15 all of seconds. these issues, yeah. all of these issues are generational. If we lose this election, there is a very good chance that a Republican does not get elected at the national level after yeah. that. He's the host of the Michael J. Knowles Show. Thank you, sir. I always appreciate your time. Good to see you, Damon. Live from Studio 6B. More to do. We're back right after this. All right, great. Is he still there? Here, thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. Hey, man, thank you so much. As always, I appreciate the time. There was no other reason for me to be in that bar meeting Joe Biden than to discuss what I was doing with his family's name uh, in the Chinese. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with a Chinese-owned, you know, uh, enterprise. America First Action is responsible for the content of this advertising. 
All right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Let's do some sports with Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? Okay, Big D. Well, just a shout-out to uh, Flint City Council Member Maurice Davis. A couple of our followers said they loved his suit and his dress. They said I should pick <laughs> up on his style. He had a hat and tie that were aligned, yeah. and I love a guy who can align his hat, tie, and vote for a good well, president. He was good, um, but I don't know if he's on your level. He may nah, want to pick nah, up on your style. Nice double-breasted. I have a funny feeling I know where he got that hat and that tie. I know, I know the actual guy he bought that from, but uh, looking good there, Mr. Davis. So that being said, we got Thursday night football. So the Panthers right now are leading the Falcons 14-13 uh, just before halftime, although the Falcons are driving. They're sitting on a 21-yard line. Last I looked, I know our followers probably already have a field goal kicked by Atlanta, uh, but a good game right now, and uh, we'll see what's happened. Julius Jones has got four catches for 85 yards, and Matt Ryan for the Atlanta Falcons, 12 of 17, 100. 90 yards and one pick. Teddy Bridgewater is 7 of 8 for 100 yards and a TD big day. So we got a good second half there if you're interested in Thursday night football. Teddy Bridgewater's um, done a nice job there with Steady Teddy. Uh, yeah. yeah. With McCaffrey going down. He's such a class kid. First to the practice field, last to leave. Yes, coach. Yes, sir. No, sir. He's just a just a good kid. Yeah, maybe he found a home. He, le- he left the Saints, and uh, now he's over in Carolina. So we'll see what happens uh, as they make their move. That South is uh, looking really good with Tampa and New Orleans running the lead there, but we'll see what happens. Boston Marathon, Big D, they've canceled it again. Of course, uh, we know that it was originally scheduled for April of 2020, and then they had to move it to September, and then they have just now have moved it again to uh, 2021. Looks like they're going to have it in the fall of 2021. They rescheduled it for April on Patriots. Day, which is April 19th. However, they're going to be moving it now, and uh, Boston Marathon seems to keep uh, are they running it? COVID. Are they are they running it in a gymnasium this year? Why yeah. why would they cancel? What are they? Is it going to be? Uh, they're worried about COVID, Big D. You know, it's the old COVID. Uh, you know, they, they run these outside, right? And usually, once you get going, they're about half a mile apart, all the people, the leaders, <laughs> yeah. right, when they run. Oh, You're just, on it. Yeah, just want to make sure much. I'm thinking of this. No, no, you event. got it. Okay. Well, it is You're in good. Boston, Big D. I don't have to say any more there. Um, Major League Baseball reportedly lost $3.1 billion. And I, have to, I have to credit one of our Facebook followers because I saw that. Oh, big, that's it. Oh, $3.1 billion it is. <laughs> Talk about a bomb. All right, moving along. Kyle Bush, as I, recommend, as I mentioned last night, he did win that rain-delayed NASCAR Cup Series race at Texas. Uh, good for Kyle Busch. It was a long time coming. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, he just edged out Martin Truex by 0.468 seconds. It was that close, the race. And he was on his last lap of gas. Bush said if he had to go one more lap, he would have tanked, literally. So, uh not, not, not a bad race. Only took them three tries to get that started. So NASCAR moving along. Cup playoffs are heating up. And last thing, Big D, the least watched World Series of all time. Ended with one of sports better ratings since the industry went dark in March. Uh, Tuesday's Game 6 of the World Series, Rays and Dodgers, averages 6.8 record, uh, rating and 12.27 million viewers on Fox. Um, the Dodgers title clinching win peaked with 14.35 million when they actually won the game and ranks as the least watched series uh, on record and the least watched yeah. series Game 6 all time. Fell 29% yeah. over last year. So uh, baseball, yeah, 3.1. Not People looking good. It. That's just all. It's just all there is to it. People hate it. So they got yep. woke. Yeah. Yep. They all got right, woke. Rick. Thanks. Um, let's do Michael Moore here. I want to make sure I get this in G forty one. So Michael Moore was on the Hill TV on that. Sh- I believe it's called the Rising, 
And um, talking about Joe Biden leading in Michigan. Here it is. Roll it. It's awful news that uh, (laughs) Biden is ahead by seven points in Michigan. And I have to fight against this constantly. I need to remind people that the poll back in July said at that point that Biden was ahead in Michigan by 16 points. Right. Trump has cut that in half. Trump has tightened virtually every one of these swing states to the point where, where are they saying this morning? It's uh, five points ahead. Trump, Biden's five points ahead in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, maybe three to five points ahead in Florida, uh, two points ahead in Arizona. Listen, don't believe these polls, first of all. And second of all, the Trump vote is always being undercounted. Uh, pollsters, when they actually call a real Trump voter, the Trump voter is very suspicious of the deep state calling them and asking them who they're voting for. And um, and they it's all fake news to them, remember. So uh, it is not an accurate count. I think the safe thing to do, this is not scientific, I'm just saying from my experience of being a Michigander, whatever they're saying the Biden lead is, cut it in half right now in your head. Cut it in half. And now you're within the four-point margin of error. Mm-hmm. That's how close this is. That's how desperately close this is. And when you see the Republican running for Senate in Michigan, almost tied with our incumbent Democratic senator. Right. What is this telling us? And and, and I've pointed out to people, too, that when he uh, 10 days ago, when Trump had the big rally in Muskegon, Michigan, Muskegon County over on the west side of the state on Lake Michigan, only two counties go up and down the whole state of Michigan, only two counties voted for Hillary on the west side of Michigan in 2016. Muskegon County was one of them. Trump chose not to go to a Trump county because he won the state, if you remember. Mm-hmm. He went to a Hillary county and had thousands of people there. Literally thousands, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, people keep asking me, well, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> because they want, they want the Cassandra because in 2016 – you know, I don't know how many months it was, four months, five months before the election, I said that Trump's going to win, and he's going to win by winning Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And um, that got me no free entrances to any casinos, by the way. So <laughs> it, it hasn't done me any good. But uh-huh. now they expect me to know what's going to happen next Tuesday. And, of course, I don't know. None of us know. But I wake up every morning with the assumption that Trump believes he's going to win, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> if he thinks he's going to win, then I think he's going to win. And I'm going to act every minute of today and the rest of the day until I fall asleep after midnight. <laughs> I am going to be working to make sure he doesn't win because he thinks he's going to win. And I know he's an evil genius and he's smarter than all of us. And I know people hate to hear that, but I'm sorry. <laughs> you <laughs> To win the White House by losing the election, that's genius. I don't know how to do that. If I had told you five, six years ago, hey, you guys, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of running for president. Now, here's my plan. I'm going to lose the vote, but I'm going to win the election. And you'd look at me like, OK, Mike, what are you smoking? Um, well, so I just that's anyway. how serious I'm taking it. And I'm not just doing that as an exercise like, oh, like you said at the beginning, we must all stay on our guard. Anything. Could, no, we he's already done it. He's already fooled everybody. And 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 everybody must act right now as if this could happen again. And if it does happen again. So, Michael, let, let me. 
So, I mean, he lo- obviously w- loses it at the end there. Right. He doesn't, clearly doesn't understand it, or want to understand how the Electoral College works or why it's set up that way right. so that, you know, we're not represented by California and New York. But, the, well, we don't need, need to get into deep conversation with him about that. But I, I do like his um, – the fear you can see in that uh, he knows that they've got the single worst – candidate who's ready for the dog track at any moment yeah and me and meanwhile he's he's trying to raise the alarm because you see the nervousness and you're seeing it again from people up and down the on the democratic side that they they are now i think they're realizing what we we've all been kind of hoping for and seeing what percentage you put that he, uh, Michael Moore is going to vote for Trump? <laughs> <laughs> I got this. One billion to one. That sounds like a Joe Biden number. <laughs> As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMT, everybody on the front lines. Thanks to Mayor Giuliani. Thanks to Michael J. Knowles. Thanks to everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you. The live from Studio 6B audience. Thanks for hanging tonight. Great show. We'll see you back tomorrow on a Friday to wrap it up. Back with you at 22. We'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> that oh, is so good. Nerds. The bots. The bots.